Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. Jay Gilbert and I get together every couple of months for coffee and lunch to talk about all the crazy changes happening in tools and in music marketing. I'm glad to bring some of that conversation to our podcast where Jay shares conversations about how you can take complex technologies through innovation and make them simple and how you can help artists grow their audience. You may know of Jay from his podcast. You may know of him from Your Morning Coffee that comes out every Friday as an e-newsletter. He'll be talking largely, though, as the co-head of Label Logic, where he works to help artists figure out how to thrive in the changing digital environment. And we were commenting that I have not been totally... Uh, vigilant and reading your morning coffee uh, just newsletter. Hurtful. Just hurtful. <laughs> Don't mean to be hurtful. No, nobody it. reads it every week. And look, you know, I, I have a pretty good open rate and click through rate, but I watch who reads it and who doesn't. And the way it's designed is there's usually about a dozen stories and then a bunch of other stuff. And there's like a paragraph. So if the way it's designed is that you can go in and read just the paragraphs and kind of get a gist of what's happening that week. And then if you want to dig a little bit deeper and find out what it means, you can click on the link. So that's, that's kind of, and right now, you know, it started like almost three years ago. We now have about 5,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you start with like a hundred people, you know, 5,000 for me, I'm absolutely thrilled with. And those are artists, managers, you know, and what's really exciting for me is when I get new subscribers and it's, you know, one of my favorite artists or a very prominent lawyer or manager. And then sometimes they'll send me comments like, okay, I read this story, you know, what's your take on it? Or I love it. And it wasn't intended to be kind of a vehicle to get business, mm-hmm. but it, it certainly helped. So your core business now is what? Core business. Well, there's three businesses that I have. Okay. And those three businesses are one is label logic, which is the biggest and most time consuming. And I put most of my attention into, um, label logic is me and my partner, Jeff Moscow. We worked together at universal for nearly 20 years and we do everything. Um, it started off as label services, but it morphed into, project management, digital strategy, um, just we supplement other teams, whether it's a label, management company, distribution, or just an artist, we supplement whatever team there is and we pick up where we need to. Then the second part is I have Jay Gilbert Consulting, which I only take on um, clients that I have a passion for. So there's very few that I work with, but I'm very fortunate. Um, Right now I'm working with this band called The Accidentals out of Michigan, and they are phenomenal. I mean, the lyrics, the music, um, their message, everything about them, I just absolutely love. So um, I'm proud to be on that team. You know, I've worked with Andy Summers from The Police. I've I've worked with just artists that I really love and want to help. Um, I'm working with one now who just happens to be one of my favorite artists growing up who reached out to me 
and I'll be making an announcement soon, but we're working on a total plan of getting all of his music back online, um, getting the rights back for everything, looking through the contracts, getting everything ready. So we're really excited about that. And then the third thing is I have a photography business. Um, it's on the weekends, but I have a passion for photography. And so um, right now I'm working with The Temptations. I did Rick Springfield's last five albums. I've done John Waite's last couple of albums. I, I get to work with a lot of what I call heritage artists um, because I kind of get them and get how to make them, you know, set up the lighting to make them look good. Um, so this is typically studio photography. And uh, so those are the three businesses that I have. How do you engage then in, I mean, you are essentially innovating in what you do in all three businesses. Yeah, and more so, I think, um, in the consulting business, it's, it's all about finding ways to reach an audience and grow an audience. And those tools change um, almost weekly. And there's so many great tools out there. And people are innovating. Um, and that's one of the reasons why... I love doing your morning coffee because I'm curating um, basically stories about innovators and stories about, you know, streaming, downloading, internet radio, what's going on in the touring market, you know, whether it's somebody coming up with a really cool app, like uh, I love this new app by Fender that teaches people how to play guitar. I just think it's so well done. It's so well crafted. Um, I just thought that was really innovative. Um, so what is I, innovative? I mean, that's what the core of this podcast conversation yeah. tends to be. What is innovation to you? I think it's, it's, for my business, innovation revolves around growing an audience. I think it's also improving um, the tools that you have uh, to reach that audience. And I think a lot of it is standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to um, build the perfect mousetrap. But if you look at those who have been successful, let's take Apple, for example, they didn't invent the MP3 player. They didn't invent, you know, the tablet or, you know, the phone. But I feel like they've been very innovative in taking a very complex technology and making it simple. To me, that's innovation. And I think part of what um, I do in my consulting and with Jeff Mosco and Label Logic is that we're looking for new ways of doing business to, you know, grow an audience, get more butts in the seats, you know, get people to experience um, these great projects that we're working on. And, and sort of a translator. Yeah. 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 Bringing the tool. I love the tool orientation. I tend to spend a lot of time looking at the assumptions under the tools and helping people think through the fact that the tool affects the outcome. So I appreciate the fact that you're tool centric and, and tool translator and a lot of the stuff that you do is kind of cool in, in music then. So what's driving innovation? Well, it's, I think it's consumer habits. A lot of it. I think that they're, they're evolving and changing. We've been talking about streaming and the celestial jukebox and we've been talking about these things for you know 10-15 years um, but it seems like it's moving fairly quickly now and the numbers at the Spotify's, Apple's, Deezer's of the world and and you know and even Pandora and Google and, and Amazon music these audiences are growing quickly and now it's not 
the early adopters, right? It's my mom, you know, she's streaming music. My sister. How old is your mom? My mom just turned 80. Ah, so what is she streaming on? Uh, she is streaming on Spotify. And uh, she, she found that kind of on her own. Um, I have a, a music business podcast that you've been a guest on, mm-hmm. and she watches every episode Aww. and will make comments and send me back notes. And in the <laughs> beginning, it was like, honey, I don't know what you're talking about, but this is interesting. And now she'll send me uh, a note um, where she's like, well, you know, why would anybody pay that when they can get this here? And it's super interesting. interesting. I just love the fact that she's, you know, she's engaged. So we're moving from the early adopter phase into yeah. more of a um, early majority, late majority. Actually, there's models behind all this stuff. Sure. But we're looking at then getting this to be translatable and engageable to a mass audience that we can also then bring information back on. So what are the challenges of doing all of this, especially in an era of going into the early or late majority? What is, what, I mean, is it the fact that we're now trying to translate all of these new tools and technologies so they make sense for more people? Uh, is it that you're helping translate some of that for artists themselves? Absolutely. I think it's all of the above, but I also think that my big challenge is kind of consumer attention or consumer engagement. Um, there's so many distractions. And we were talking about tools. There's so many great tools that you can use to reach an audience. How do you rise above the clutter? How do you reach the audience you're trying to reach? Well, because of the innovations from some of these companies that we work with, we can now reach the consumer that we want to reach. You know, you can you know, find the attributes of your audience and go find another audience that shares those attributes fairly easily, you know, in, in socials, which is super great. Um, I'm going to pause you right there. Sure. Go right ahead. Explain, please. So uh, talking about finding the attributes and finding a lookalike audience, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, in a simple um, explanation, I think that when you have an audience and let's say we'll use Facebook as an example. <clears throat> you can see through your Facebook insights, you can learn a lot about who your audience is. And I encourage everybody to look into their insights because there's there's so much to learn there and there's always a surprise. Now that's if so, somebody has a page, not if they have a personal account? That's right. Okay. So someone's and, created a page and they're an artist and it's hopefully separate so they're not sharing every little piece hopefully. of what they're doing for lunch, but maybe. Um, <laughs> and so that they have then based on, I think they have to have a minimum number of followers to be able to get insights, but it's something like 30. I'm not remembering what the numbers are now. Yeah, I've, I've started pages for artists with very few followers and still had the insights. So I'm not sure what that minimum is, but you're absolutely right. So you you create this artist page, for example. Now... You can go into your insights and you can get a, a glimpse into who, who's following you, where do they live, you know, what is their gender, what is their age. You know, there's certain things that you can kind of get from that. And if you do um, what they call a boosted post or a geo-targeted post, that's just basically when you're doing a post and you put a little bit of money behind it, you can reach a broader audience because, as you know, with Facebook – you're only going to hit a small percentage of your 
fans, um, there only a small percentage is going to see it unless you boost your post, put what, a little bit of money behind it. What kind of small percentage? Well, I I don't know the exact amount. I've heard things as as low as like single digits. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that I talk to say it's you know around 10, 12 percent. I've never seen like an official announcement uh, about what that number is, but it's low. I I would think that it's probably in the high lo- single digits. And you know when you boost a post, you're you're paying to reach a larger audience. You know what that audience is. You can target it to you know. Um, a, a geographic location. You can target it to a gender or, or fans of like competitive artists. There's there's all sorts of things. You can even do it. Of, I want to hit everybody that goes to you know this church and this market or you know there's so many ways that you can do that. Um, but you have all this information in insights. And to get back to what we were talking about, like the lookalike audience, mm-hmm. once you kind of determine what your audience is, there's certain attributes. They may lean towards male. They may be a certain age group. They might be in a certain geographic location, whatever it is. But they also might like certain artists too. Um, so the goal here is to find an audience that has the same attributes as your audience isn't following you and then target them because you want to target people if you're a jazz saxophonist you want to target people that love that not somebody who's into hip-hop so you're spending your money wisely and those are kind of the tools that you know we're touching on like i i love bands in town because i can you know i can target fans of other artists. So for example, if I've got an artist who's got five other artists on his album, I can directly reach out to the fans of those artists. Um, Bands in Town is really great because yes, it's a it's a free app and it'll look into your music library and go, oh well Gigi loves, you know, Neil Finn. So when he comes to town it sends you an email and that's that's great. But it's really interesting for a marketer because you can go in there and directly target and send emails um, with your new release, your tour, to fans of like artists. And there are other people that do that. You know, Amazon's you know the kings of marketing. But when you do an email with Amazon, they're not telling you if it goes to four people or 40 million people. And they certainly aren't giving you, at least last time I checked, they're not giving you open rate, click-through rate, any kind of you know, intelligence behind it. So you're able to use tools now to be able to work with individual artists and managers to be able to find not just lookalike audiences, but find where their competitors are doing work and where they should be. Right. So able to help right. them map out their actions better. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's, it's really smart to look at what your competition's doing. I'm constantly looking at what artists are doing on socials and what they're doing on their website and on YouTube and seeing interesting things. Um, I've been working with this company um, that I think is very innovative in the social front. Uh, They're called uh, Official Community. And I love the way that the team at Official Community is attacking socials. They have ideas that are form fit to your artists. Um, They're trying new things. And the bottom line with socials, you can't just say that, oh, Gigi, you should post on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. And it's different for every genre. It's different for different time zones and seasonality. And 
it's just not that simple. You have to, this sounds overly simplistic, but you have to do things, test things, see what reacts, <laughs> you get engagements and do more of that and do less of what's not working. And, you know, and engagements, just so everyone knows what an engagement is, that's, you know, a, a like, it's, it's a, a forward, it's, it's a comment, it's a video view, it, that's what an engagement is. And that's versus what you want. A, versus just a fan or a follower, which anybody could yeah. click and never come back to ever again. Right. That's so passive. And I wouldn't say it's meaningless. It, it It's an interesting metric, but I don't believe, I don't put a lot of stock into just likes. To me, it's, it's all about, is it resonating? Are they engaging with it? And are you, are you having a relationship and a communication with your socials or are you just barking out, buy my album, go see my tour, you know, follow me, you know, nobody wants to just be sold to. It's, it works better when there's a relationship, I think. And the fact that you're listening as well, so you can see who you should be talking to and where they're having the conversations as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a bit cynical for a second, which is the, so why isn't everybody doing this and why would they need somebody to come in and work with them? Um, I mean, I, there's so many tools out there. Isn't this just easy enough now with an easy button so that people can just do this themselves? That's a great question. Yes, absolutely they can. And they should know, they should educate themselves and know these tools. But here's, you know, the bottom line is there's only so many hours in a day. And if you're a musician, a writer, whatever, whatever you are, if you're a creative person, you need to create and I think you should know these tools and I think you should use these tools. But at a certain point in your career, you don't want to be spending all of your time on socials and using these tools and looking at the analytics. Um, you want to surround yourself with people. Um, and I know that sounds self-serving, but you do want to surround yourself with people that do that for you and you know, trust them to come to you and have those conversations so you can focus on creating art. What are the challenges of innovating in music? That's, that's a good question. I think, I mean, it's, it's really a journey, you know, not a destination, you know, to coin a phrase. Um, I think one of the main challenges is, especially today, is that it's, there's so many choices and there's so many um, new services and tools and, and, the platforms are changing um, for distribution. And I mean, it's just, it's evolving so fast that I think that you need to find out what all the new tools are and educate yourself and have conversations with smart people and be curious and, and all of that. But again, there's only so many hours in a day and you, you need to find what works for you. And, and I think that's challenging because like I said a moment ago, the tools that work for one artist aren't necessarily the same tools for another. I think that's a big challenge with innovation. And also there are lots of great sites um, on the internet to, you know, get information on innovation. One of my favorites is Hypebot. I, I love those guys over there. And what is Hypebot? Um, Hypebot is a great site. Um, it's just Hypebot.com. Um, Bruce Houghton runs it. It's, they, they tend to be, pretty cutting edge when it comes to innovation and technology. And, and here's what I love about them. If they don't know, 
they bring in a guest writer to write a piece about something, whether it's, you know, blockchain or whether it's about streaming or whether it's about, you know, a lawyer talking about the contracts that you should or shouldn't sign. They don't come off as the expert. They'll bring in experts. And I love that about them. But the thing I like about Hypebot, and there, there are other great sites too, but there, there's a selection of sites out there that basically just kind of repackage what other people are writing about, and then they kind of reword it and put it on their site. Um, and I think sites like Hypebot, you're going to get more of the information that you're looking for. You and I have spent a lot of time talking about playlisting. Yeah. And uh, the the challenge then with that being such a deep dynamic, there was an article in I think it was actually in Hypebot that was trying to explain how in the world playlisting actually works to get on it. And it they've attempted, actually quite a few people have attempted various explanations of how in Blue Blazes you actually get on some of these playlists. Yeah. How yeah. do you help um, bands and brands figure out this changing and in some ways very handcrafted world yeah that's that is a rabbit hole it's a big question um i can add a shameless plug i'm going to be um at ucla with uh, bobby borg's class um doing in, in extension a, yeah doing a, a guest lecture on this very subject I, i've put together a deck called paths to playlists and the reason I put this together is because this space is complex, it's confusing. And so what I did is I went and I spoke with the major labels, the major indies. I spoke with Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon. Um, I spoke to artists, managers, distribution, and even some of the students at, at some of these classes to find out who's had success getting their music independently on playlists and even with majors. Uh, how did they do it? What what are these different paths to getting selected to be on a playlist? Because as you know, it's it can make a big difference. But as the folks at Apple will remind you frequently, um, playlisting is not a marketing plan. And it's got to be part of a, a larger menu. Uh, and so let's, let's look at some of the paths to playlists. So... If you look at um, the different DSPs, digital service providers, like you know Apple, Spotify, Deezer, whoever, um, they're all very, very different in the way they run their businesses. And you have to kind of know the personality of the different businesses as you approach them. Um, for example, with Apple, they're like traditional music company um, in the sense that they want to know, okay, you want your song, your artist on a playlist. Um, what playlist do you want it on? Um, why? What, um, what data can you provide? Is there a tour? Are there press hits? Um, are there socials ramping up? Um, what's going on with the artist? This and they want to know all this stuff before the track's been released. Yeah. yeah, all of this is prior to release. Mm -hmm. um, they want to know not only what playlist you want to be on, but why? Are there other artists like your artists that are on this playlist? And if they are, what are those artists? So you have to do your due diligence, and 
they look at it a little more analytically. And of course, it is a meritocracy, meaning that if it's a great song, that's what it's all about. And everybody will say that. But I'm just assuming for this discussion that you've got a great song, right? right? So with Spotify, it's, it's a lot more challenging because some of these playlists, and I'm talking about Spotify curated playlists. And what I mean by that is there's artist curated playlists where, you know, Bono may put together playlists of his favorite tracks. There's user curated playlists, you know, where you and I might put our favorite, you know, songs for, you know, working out and that's our playlist and we can put that on, on Spotify. But for this discussion, we're talking about Spotify curated playlists. They have Which some, are the vast majority of the high volume playlists. Absolutely. And that's by design and that's changed over the last few years. It's, it's been pushed that way mm-hmm. intentionally. Um, they've come up with, you know, Discover Weekly and New Release Radar, these algorithmically based playlists that are so powerful and can, re- if you get selected in one of those playlists, it can really drive your streams. Um, so if you're an indie artist, it's, it's hard to get on um, some of these playlists. What Spotify likes to do is they'll test you in a tertiary playlist. And if you... There are three main metrics. They won't tell you all the metrics they look at, but there's three obvious ones. Number of spins, number of um, ads to personal playlists, and the third one, which is really important, is skips because it's kind of like the old days of radio call-out, right? I mean, if you are getting skipped, if your song is being skipped in a playlist, you know, that's a thumbs down. Um, It'll get dropped. Typically, the best songs are in the top 15. You know, they get played more that way. Um, and then the, the lower you go, like if you're not performing, they might drop you down a little bit or they might just take you right out of the playlist. So it's, it's almost songs. like that engagement metric you were talking about a bit earlier. That yeah, it's not exactly. just being on the list, but you have to survive and thrive on the list. Yeah, exactly. It's, and then there are ways that you can kind of help once you get placed on a playlist. I mean, we, we could talk for hours about playlists, but I can tell you that once you get on a playlist, a lot of artists forget to promote that fact, drive traffic to that playlist mm-hmm. um, and say, look, I was added to Apple Music's A-list playlist. Here's a link to it. Check this out. Um, they're, they're very important, but they're not the only thing. Um, and it is challenging right now. One of the things I would love to see as far as innovation mm-hmm. is a transparent system or service where you could get feedback from the curators, programmers, uh, the people that choose what goes into playlists at, say, Spotify. Um, listen, there's there's 40 million tracks, you know, on Spotify, and they're adding two million a month. There's not a, they don't have the staff, right, to listen um, to everything, but they do things, and this is something that I think students figured out really quickly. Spotify and other streaming services are looking to the data and they know that Gigi was listening to this record way before anybody else was. And so now they're watching you and they're like, wow, she's in this genre. She is so far ahead of everybody else. This is a hit three months later, but she's always, so then they start pulling your stuff and putting it into, you know, discover weekly. So imagine if they can do that across, you know, a hundred million users, mm-hmm. that kind of data, 
mean, their their Discover Weekly is amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. And that's um, really people. in many ways what they very much are doing. So is they're looking for the content innovators. They're looking for and then they they have anybody and several other services are watching the watchers. Yeah. Yeah. That, to me, I, I love that. I love data. Um, I don't mind ads on Facebook. Um, I love seeing what they're targeting me with. Um, I love these um, kind of retargeted ads. I like to kind of add meaning that. What's a retargeted ad? Well, I like these ads, for example, when you're on Spotify, or not Spotify, I'm sorry, when you're on Amazon, and let's say I'm looking at a lens, right? Um, Then I'll go to ESPN.com and an ad for that lens pops up, Mm -hmm. which I, I absolutely love that. I know it creeps some people out, but I would rather have ads targeting me for things that I'm actually interested in and I'm really fascinated at how they decide because there's there's something that they do that drives me crazy and that is when I've already purchased something that I'm not going to necessarily need anytime soon they're pumping ads at me like uh, I recently bought a car and I'm getting these ads for cars and I, I don't need a car I just I, I just got a car. Thanks, but know. no, I am not going to get a second car. But you know, but maybe you could, you know, send me an ad for some cool, you know, wheels or something. I don't know. But. Yeah, but in many ways, that's that's actually almost a totally separate conversation on how to be sure. cleaning up the retargeting. But but the em, emotional side of this—that's what I find interesting—is that you're not only tracking then the innovators as to who's actually been able to identify and be the uh, the pivot point for identifying the next great song, you're also able to know where they are, what they're doing, their adjacency to other activities, the fact, did they buy a car? And that now is part of the flow so that you're able to then take their emotional state and mental state in many ways with their music. And in many ways, that's yes. what Spotify for brands is marketing. It, it, it's such yeah. an interesting time that and we're even talking about this now in September of 2017 that we could be then talking about this in six more months and having, as people may listen to this then, a whole different set of things going on. So how do you stay up and current on this perpetually changing marketing, innovation, data, music side of things? Yeah, I think probably the same way you do. I mean, I have a passion for it. I think we share that. I think there's about a group of websites that I look at uh, frequently, I think by curating um, your morning coffee, which is an email, an industry trade email that I send out every Friday, by curating that, I'm reading these stories and I'm kind of forced to see if this is an original piece that somebody investigated or if they're just copying somebody else's work and to try to track down these different topics. And and I absolutely love it because there's <clears throat> there's misinformation out there. Lots of it. Yep. Right. And sometimes it gets corrected. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but that's how I stay on top of it. And by talking to to people like you, people who are curious, and you know anybody who thinks they know this this area, uh, I mean I don't know how you could because it's it changes so fast and it's so dynamic. The players are changing. The companies are playing, uh, changing. And the innovation, I feel, is just staggering now. There's just so many different things that are happening. I'm so excited to see where some of these things lead. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's how I do, just basically looking at uh, a select group of uh, websites and, and talking to uh, smart people. So what has been your biggest surprise in working with innovations in music? 
Hmm. I think the data and the insights has been my biggest surprise that it's so easy to get now, you know, um, Pandora with their amp and next big sound and Facebook insights and Spotify insights. And YouTube is rolling out this thing called YouTube for artists. It's not fully rolled out yet. Not everybody's in there, but you can, uh, most of the top artists are in there and you can get information. I mean, the data, um, is really awesome. Um, it takes time. Um, and not, a lot of artists are willing to kind of go into their insights and see what it means. But if you look at like Spotify for artists, Spotify insights are so simple and so clean. It's like your music is hitting this demographic, this geographical location. And here are people that are listening to your music. They're also listening to these artists. And even that basic kind of look is super helpful. Um, so I think the, my biggest surprise, I, I think it's just the wealth um, the riches of the data that's available today. So what needs to happen? What are the next innovations you see coming or that you think would be great to arrive? Well, I, gosh, I see it. There's new stuff every day. You and I had, you know, mentioned, you know, um, blockchain. Um, Before offline. we got a call, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm very excited about the possibilities there. Um, I learned about a new company this week uh, called Amuse, A-M-U-S-E, Amuse, uh, Mobile Distribution. Um, there are companies like TuneCore and CD Baby that really help independent artists put their music up everywhere, globally, digitally. Um, and I love that, that you could record an album in your bedroom this morning and get it up globally on all these digital service providers. I think that's so awesome. Well, Amuse, I, I read about it because uh, Will I Am from Black Eyed Peas is an investor, and it's free. So here's the catch. Amuse is kind of like a, a TuneCore CD baby in the sense that, yes, they will get your music digitally up um, into all of the DSPs um, globally, but they do it for free completely for free. Here's the catch. They're also operating as a label slash distribution company. So if they like what you've uploaded and they see that it's starting to react, they can offer you a deal. And their deal is a 50-50 split. That may be great for some artists, may not be great for other artists. But to me, that's innovative, whether you agree with the financials or not. Yeah. It's it's a different twist. And it's like we talked about with Apple. They didn't invent those things, but they still innovated. Amuse didn't invent this way of doing business. This has been around a while, but it's a different twist. And I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, they, they, will, they will do everything from marketing, financing, playlist pitching, you know, all of that stuff for these artists that sign with them. It's almost so, a, 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 an adjustment of the multi-channel network model that is a similar but different split with YouTube if you have a YouTube channel that coming into the network that you don't need the network to be in the system, but then they take a piece of the action to be providing supposedly, depending on who the MCN is, additional value for advertisers and, and marketing representation. Yeah. And you just hit it on the head, additional value. I talk to artists all the time. They have Some of them want to put their stuff up on their own through a TuneCore CD Baby. Some of them want a major, but... It all comes down to if you're going to sign with major, major indie production, whatever it is, 
if you're going to sign with them, are they going to add value? What are they going to do above and beyond what you couldn't do with all of these great tools? Um, and I think that's a question you have to ask. So as far as like new innovations that I'm excited about or things that are coming down the pike, I think one, it's not new, but it's evolving and that's pledge music. Pledge music used to be kind of a crowdfunding platform, right? Mm -hmm. And over the years, they, they've got you know, new management, their CEO, Dominic is, you know, amazing. Brian Mead, you know, in Los Angeles, what they've done is they've now become a destination. They've got an audience of millions of people who go to pledge music, their open rates uh, on their emails are astronomical. They, they have people that are engaged. And for those who have never done a pledge music campaign, or maybe you did one a couple of years ago, it's a totally different thing. You should check out like that band I was telling you about, The Accidentals. Mm -hmm. Check out their pledge music. Check out Cheap Trick, their last album. So here, here's what happens, for example. You're in the pre-order window of your new release. You can now sell things that sell really well are things like test pressings, like signed test pressings. They don't cost much to make, but you can sell them for $100, $150. Um, things like merch with a download, with the vinyl, maybe there's socks, maybe there's pennants, maybe there's... You know. <laughs> socks always blows my mind. Do you like Cheap them? Trick had them. Oh, I know. Were, like, socks checkerboard. Do, I love socks them. Socks actually are do, doing shockingly well. That's, uh, yeah. Nothing says rock and roll like a pair of good socks. I'm sorry, interrupting. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pledge Music now, and here's the part that's exciting. Number one, they've got this audience of millions of people that go there. So they're actually working new and developing artists, not just crowdfunding. Number two, let's say you have T-shirts as one of your items on Pledge Music. Well, you take the orders in advance and you create the product to the demand. There's no excess obsolescent inventory. And that's and, a big It's pre-funded essentially too. So you're not having yes, to the funding exactly. out yeah, and then the third thing, which I think is actually the most sexy, is, man, they give you this dashboard where you can go in and see what's happening, who's buying what products, right? Which ones are responding, which ones aren't. And you can move your product assortment around based on that. You get all sorts of great data on who the consumer is. You capture their email, capture demographic, location, I mean, what device they were on, all this great stuff. Um, so it's, pledge music it's kind of the holy grail for people who've been really I mean the thing that we've been missing or people have been pitching and trying for a while is to have CRM as the acronym but a customer relationship management system so that it's not sitting in all these splinter nets that I can't get back to that this is trying to provide that a piece of that puzzle which a lot of people that to me that's been the holy grail for a while for people is how to actually get down to the individual level other than stalking somebody in SoundCloud Pro which <laughs> well there's that and then the second part I think of pledge is that then the record comes out and you can do a full-on marketing campaign you know, on your own or with a label, you know, Warner Music Group is putting a lot of their great box sets in the pre-order window through Pledge Music. Um, you can put high-end things. People are typically their consumers have, are adults with credit cards, um, and they don't mind paying for, say, um, an autographed lithograph or um, one of the things the Accidentals had, which I thought was awesome, is this little book with all the lyrics and chords written out so you can play their songs. And it's handwritten. It was so cool. Oh, neat. 
Um, a lot of these bands will have like signed drum heads that you can, you know, put up. A lot of them will even sell road used gear, you know, like anvil cases and guitars and things like that. The, the revenue that you can make can actually help you fund a marketing campaign for the broader market when you put it out. So enough about pledge. I think they're innovative. I think they're doing some things, um, that, um, are different than what they've done in the past. And it's, it's super exciting to me. Um, a couple of other things that I think are innovative, like on the streaming side. Um, I, we mentioned before that I, I absolutely love Spotify's discover weekly and new release radar algorithmically based, um, playlist. If you haven't played with them, they're really good. And then on the Apple music side, they're doing on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yes, they do algorithmically based playlists, but they do some hand curated playlists, which are just ridiculous. They're so good. They're like, one is called, you know, intro to, and then insert your favorite band. One's called deep cuts. Um, these kinds of playlists are, they're not somebody's favorite tracks. When I was talking to a friend of mine that works at Apple, he said that, it's based on, well, is this a fan favorite? Is this being played in their set? Was it ever on a soundtrack? You know, is it reacting? Is it one that the band, you know, happens to be close to for a certain reason? There are all sorts of reasons why. It's just not somebody's favorite list of songs. Um, so I think in the playlist side, you know, there's a lot of innovation going on there. In the early days, it was just, somebody putting together their favorite John Coltrane songs. Now there's either science behind it or at least some thought. Great. Any last thoughts? This has been a, a charming conversation. We've covered a bit of the waterfront here. Uh, <laughs> we could talk for hours. Well, first of all, I always enjoy our time together. I always enjoy, I learn something every time you and I talk and I hope we can continue to have our, our coffee talk and I hope that you'll read your morning coffee. <laughs> A more regular every other week. Every other week. I'm sorry. No, I mean, part of me is trying okay. to winnow down to the, the great things to be accessing because there are so many folks who are replicating and repopulating other people's thoughts. Sure. So I, um, I'm glad to keep um, your morning coffee in my digital vocabulary. So appreciate it. And also I'm glad to share it with my students. We we're continuing awesome. to have our internet marketing and branding for musicians class. And we're starting a new next generation music marketing lab, which I need to talk with you offline about um, at, uh, at, uh, at uh, UCLA to work with artists and with technology companies on doing pilots of sort of next gen tech. So um, I always appreciate our conversations because it feeds what I do. So um, yeah. thank you very uh, much and glad that you could join you. us for the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That was fun. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.ucla.edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got 
Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.